Welcome to the Journey Ahead podcast, Aging Well in the Chippewa Valley. I'm Tom from Volume 1, which presents this podcast in partnership with the Aging and Disability Resource Center of Eau Claire County, with support from our sponsors, Grace Home Respiratory and All-Star Elevator and Mobility Solutions. Here's your host, Lisa Wells. So I'm Lisa Wells, Dementia Care Specialist with the Aging and Disability Resource Center of Eau Claire County, and you're listening to a podcast on Aging Well in the Chippewa Valley. The goal of the podcast is to provide education about aging well, brain health, and staying active and healthy in the community. So thank you for joining us. Today we are discussing sleep and aging well for better brain health. With age, many people get insomnia or have other sleep disorders, and it's true that as we get older, our sleep patterns change. In general, older adults sleep less, wake up and go back to sleep more often, and spend less time in deep sleep or dreaming than younger people. But at any age, you still need quality rest to be healthy and support brain health. So how can we do that, and what do we do? So joining us today is Dr. Don Dexter. Dr. Dexter is a graduate of the University of Minnesota and received his medical degree from Mayo Medical School in Rochester, Minnesota. He completed his residency in neurology and a fellowship in sleep medicine at the, at the Mayo Graduate School of Medicine. He has practiced neurology at Mayo Clinic Health System in Eau Claire since 1993, where he also serves as chair of education. He was named as a Mayo Clinic Distinguished Educator in 2019. And Dr. Dexter is an enthusiastic, if not terribly gifted, hockey player for the Mighty Ducks Hockey Club. So thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Dexter. We can probably have more conversation about your Mighty Ducks Hockey Club a little later, but today let's talk about sleep. And so I remember back in my younger years, I could sleep like there was no tomorrow. I could drink coffee all day long, and it never bothered me. I could fall asleep at the drop of a hat and not wake up until a very loud alarm clock would would wake me up. But those days I have found are long gone, and now at times I have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep and usually waking up several times a night to use the restroom. And it's really hard to get back to sleep. And so I don't think I'm alone in all of these sleep problems. And so let's start out by talking about why, why is sleep so important as we get older? Well, sleep is important for all of us all through our life. Um, but it does change. You're right. We probably remember when we had kids, um, babies sleep, you know, 20 hours a day um, in fits and spurts. But uh, they sleep a lot longer time. And... And there is a normal architecture of sleep over time that changes. As we get older, our sleep matures, and um, the amount of deep sleep starts to gradually go down. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's pretty high when you're young, and that's how you can move a five-year-old around the house when they're in sleep and they don't even wake up. Mm -hmm. Um, You're right. Sadly, that goes away as we get older. So when you get to be in your 70s or 80s, that very deep sleep is pretty much gone. That stage three, four sleep is a, a smaller, much smaller percentage of your night's sleep. Uh, dreaming sleep stays about the same. Lighter sleep increases a little bit. So that disruption is is very common as we get older. Mm-hmm. And there's really nothing we can do about about that because that's just our bodies, right? Correct. I mean, to a certain point, you can't change the architecture that that is given. Um, I think you, there are things you can do to help your sleep. I, I don't think that we should be completely nihilistic about, you know, that mm-hmm. this is just the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, but there are architecture changes that just happen mm-hmm. with age. 
So with that, how does that, how does, you know, not sleeping as well or as much as we get older, how does that affect brain health? Well, sleep is absolutely critical to brain health. Now, that's true throughout your lifespan, but it probably gets a little bit more important as we age. Um, I think when you're younger, you're more resilient. Like you said, you could drink coffee and go to sleep. Mm -hmm. I, I remember when I was in college, I worked nights much of the time I was in college, and I could drink a cup of coffee on the way home at 7 o'clock in the morning, go to bed, sleep a few hours, get up, go to class, come back, take a nap, then go to work. You know, if, if, those things, it was just easy. Mm -hmm. And now that, that resilience, that, that becomes less. Um, but we know that sleep disruption is associated with a number of health effects, it increases your risk of diabetes, for instance, if you're sleeping poorly. Um, but it, for what we're talking about for memory and brain health, um, it's absolutely critical. Mm -hmm. Because when you're sleeping, Better, I mean, good sleep. It kind of helps clear out, clear out all this stuff, and you know, can help you remember better, be more cognitive throughout the day. But you really do need that sleep to kind of clean stuff out, don't right. you? Absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. um, we've learned an awful lot recently about what happens when we sleep. And one of the things is exactly what you said, abnormal uh, proteins or, or breakdown products in the brain are cleared out during sleep. Um, and it's and the, the key is uninterrupted sleep, so prolonged periods of time is when that uh, activity occurs. So cleaning out those breakdown products and that waste product from your brain uh, during sleep is important. And then there's other uh, functions that happen, like you said, consolidation of memory, we think occurs a lot during sleep, and that's very important as well. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about what are some, you know, as we get older, what are some um, disorders that people might encounter as we as we age. Sure. Um, well, the biggest one I think, pretty much across the adult lifespan, is sleep apnea. Um, that's one that's uh, probably the most common. Um, I mean, if you, outside of insomnia, mm -hmm. insomnia is the most common sleep disorder. Um, and because most of us have had that at some time, at least intermittent insomnia, and you have something that you're very worried about and don't sleep, mm -hmm. or you know, now for me, when I used to be able to drink coffee right before bed, I'm, now I can't drink coffee after noon, or I will be, pay the price at bedtime. Mm -hmm. um, but for non-insomnia disorders, sleep apnea is probably the biggest one, and that's just a mechanical problem where you stop breathing during sleep because your airway collapses. Um, more common in men than women, but what we found in our clinic uh, is that in men, it's often pretty obvious. In women, it's not so much. Mm -hmm. So you can be a thin, fit woman and still have sleep apnea that we wouldn't have recognized. And so, so then how, do you, how, how would a woman know? <laughs> well, uh, is that something you would get checked out every year for like your annual physical or? Yeah, probably not. What we're, what we're doing is we found a pattern on memory testing that predicts sleep apnea. Um, and so if you see that pattern, then we definitely would want to look a little closer and uh, just do a screening test called a pulse oximetry where you wear a little device on your finger and it records your oxygen saturation on your pulse overnight. Mm -hmm. And if that's abnormal, then you've, you're going to have to have a real sleep study. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, um, if, it, that's a tough one because, um, if you, uh, I, I guess what you would, what would lead me to investigate someone more is if they're having more trips to the bathroom, um, because that's a sign of, can be a sign of sleep apnea. Oh. You're more sleepy during the day. 
you know, so you're falling asleep when you normally wouldn't have, like watching TV or reading a paper, um, or just having some people, if you're type A person, you just call it fatigue, mm-hmm. a sleepiness. So mm-hmm. um, those are things that might generate it. But screening everybody, we probably just can't do it. It's because it'd be so many, maybe. Yeah, you know, it would be everybody if we're going to screen yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah. And there just isn't enough resources. Mm-hmm. So. So sleep apnea, insomnia, are there any other things that we need to look at as we get older as far as sleep? Sure. Um, One that's reasonably common um, is restless leg syndrome. Uh, So this is an um, irresistible urge to move your legs. It comes in, it's periodic, so it comes in in sort of waves. Gets better when you're up and moving, gets worse when you're resting, and or if you're forced immobilization of your legs, like in a long car trip or a long plane trip or sleeping in a mummy sleeping bag. People with restless legs can't stand that usually, and um, so that can be very disruptive to sleep, to getting for people to get to sleep. Um, I think you know people make fun of it as a non-disease, but if you have it, it's it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. If you if you're struggling to go to sleep and you can't, your legs won't rest and allow you to. That's miserable. So what would that feel like? Um, well, patients describe it as creepy, crawly, or um, uh, almost an, an, an impending cramp. Like it's not a cramp, but it's mm-hmm. like it's gonna cramp, and you have to move your legs to keep it from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll come, you move your legs, it goes away for 20 seconds, 40 seconds, and then comes again. Um, people that have restless legs very commonly, then once they do go to sleep, their legs move, periodic movements during the night, which often don't bother the person who has it, but the bed partner may. Sure. Yeah. Maybe just have their yeah. sleep disturbed by it. Yeah. That would be, I think that would be really disruptful. <laughs> that would be irritating um, when you're trying to get to sleep for sure. Yeah, um, it's it's a if not funny, but it's an, an ironic thing that it it can cause uh, if you have restless legs or periodic limb movements, it can cause insomnia, or uh, you can get too sleepy from it, mm-hmm. or you can have very little symptoms. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's an unusual disorder for the periodic limb movements. So you said that ways to help with that are getting up and moving, but is, are there any other things that can help with that? Are there medications or? Sure. What well, we find um, not uncommonly, this is um, uh, seen in people with low iron. So iron deficiency can be a factor. And if that's the case, replacing iron can be a miraculous treatment. Mm-hmm. It can make it go away. Uh, we see it not uncommonly in women who are pregnant and probably has to do with iron storage. Um and you see it often in people with kidney failure. So people on dialysis often have restless legs. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have that condition, you often will notice that it's much worse if you don't have any activity during the day um, or if you have way more than your usual amount of activity. So mm-hmm. we usually tell people have a set amount of exercise. And it's, it's good advice anyway. But if you're exercising regularly and getting your steps in, often that will help. Mm-hmm. But in cases where it's that's not helpful and it's really disrupting sleep, there are medications that can be helpful. Okay, good. Well, that's good to know. Um, any other type of sleep disorders that we might need to consider as we get older? Well, those are the those the are main the, big, ones. the big four: insomnia, sleep apnea, restless legs, uh, and periodic limb movement disorder of sleep are the are the most common. There are other ones: nocturnal seizures and dream reenactment behaviors, which we see in some. Of forms of dementia like Lewy body dementia or mm-hmm. Parkinson's disease, but they're thankfully much rarer. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. I want to take a moment to talk about one of our sponsors, All Star Elevator and Mobility Solutions. Mobility challenges don't have to mean leaving the home that you love. All Star Elevator and Mobility Solutions specializes in residential and commercial elevators, stairlifts, scooters, and more. The All Star team offers a free home assessment, and they can help you find the products you need to get around your home and the rest of the world safely and effectively. For example, they have more than 100 scooters in stock, so you'll be sure to find one that meets your needs. You'll find All Star right here in the Chippewa Valley on Halley Road in Chippewa Falls, and they've got locations in Hudson and La Crosse, too. Learn more by calling All Star at 715-598-7511 or by visiting allstarmobilityllc.com or allstarelevatorllc.com. Now, back to the podcast. We're back with Dr. Dexter today talking about uh, sleep and aging well. And so can you um, talk a little bit about um, what are some what's some good sleep hygiene that maybe we, we can practice? Um, what are some things that we can do to, you sure. know, to sleep better and get a good night's sleep? Yeah. And I think that's really, really important, Lisa. I'm, when people think that this is just a function that occurs, it's sort of an you know, it's, it's a nuisance. It is taking up time in your busy day. Mm-hmm. But you really have to understand this is a critical function for our health. Um, and we really need to, to devote that seven and a half to eight hours a night for sleep. It's really, really important. Um, what I learned a long time ago when I was in boot camp is if you have a strict schedule, um, a set wake time, a set sleep time, you're busy during the day getting exercise, having your meals at regular times, you will sleep very well. You know, when you're in boot camp, you're required to do what's called fire watch. Everybody mm-hmm. has a turn taking, walking around the barracks and making sure the place doesn't burn down. <laughs> um, and it was to, to teach you how to stand watch mm-hmm. as well. But you learn that people don't have insomnia in boot camp. It just did not exist. Um, and part of it is because of this strict schedule. So that would probably be the most important is that you set your wake time around the same time. So if you have to get up, say, at six o'clock for work, then on weekends, you really have to be careful not to sleep in until 10 or 11 or noon mm-hmm. because your, your your whole sleep clock, which your body uses to regulate your day, gets thrown out of whack. And so that's why people often will have insomnia on Sunday night because they just slept until noon. Right. You know, and and so why you probably don't want to buy a car that was made on a Monday, mm-hmm. you know, so because people are not functioning as well on Monday. And that's a real thing. The Monday blues because your sleep has been disrupted over the weekend. So keeping that wake time within, you know, within reason, an hour or two from um, your normal so that your internal clock stays set. Mm-hmm. Um you know, having your, in German, they call it Zeitgebers, your timekeepers, so your meal times, having those about the same time, that also helps with release of chemicals in your body and insulin and things that, that are also important for setting your clock. I've noticed when I, when I eat later at night um, or having dinner a little bit later, I don't sleep at all. I have trouble sleeping. Well, yeah, the, and that's Partly because your internal clock has just been thrown off, probably by insulin, but maybe the the work your body has to do to digest food, right? And yeah, blood flow changes and all that sort of thing. But um, it's really important. Bright light exposure in the morning is is key to setting that internal clock. Now that's a little tougher here in the north when that 
the, the light changes. Uh, so in the winter, when there isn't bright light, we you know recommend you know bright lights in the morning. The inverse is true. At bedtime, you really don't want to have a lot of bright light exposure before bed. Mm -hmm. um, so, and now with people spending a lot of time on screens, that may be disruptive. And so, you know, for kids, we always say you know no screen time after supper usually. And um, you know, when our kids are little, having that routine to help, you know, that, okay, we'd eat dinner and then it would be a little bit of reading, then bath time mm -hmm. and then reading and, and sleep. And our kids were really good sleepers mm -hmm. um, you know, for the most part because the, of that routine that, that really helps them understand uh, uh, that it's time to go to bed. Mm -hmm. And that, that works for adults too, you know, having a routine as you get ready for bed that limits the amount of screen time you have and, um, It'll just, uh, it's important, I think, for getting our, our sleep regulated. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, too, um, I, I need to just kind of have some, some downtime just to relax a little bit. Sometimes I'll read. But I wonder, you know, like for people that use um, like a Kindle or something like that to read, you know, that's screen time, mm -hmm. right? Or if they change the, I know you can change the, you know, the, the lighting to be a little bit different is does that have yeah, think about that there's a low light function on your mm -hmm. kindle mm -hmm. so that you can read with less of that light exposure there's some work being done now with blue light filtered glasses to help with that light that um, is more stimulating mm -hmm. um I, you know and I, I i agree i think that reading before bed is really good but you have to have a light to do it but mm -hmm. usually it's less light than mm -hmm. um one thing that I found to be really helpful is when I get books from the library and get the large print version. Oh, sure. Because yeah. you don't need to have the light so bright. Right. So. Yep. That, well, I know for me, as I'm getting older, I certainly need the large print, too. What about um, melatonin? Do you think that's a, a good thing to to consider if you're having trouble sleep? or? Yeah, we, you know, we, we do use it for some medical conditions. Um, it can be helpful for REM sleep behavior disorder. Uh, so we do use it for that. It is a supplement. And so with supplements, you have to remember there is no oversight from the FDA for purity or safety. And so you don't really know what's in it. Currently now, it is not recommended for sleep. Um, that's a relatively new um, report, um, but they are not recommending it for sleep any longer for the general public. Um, it, its effect on sleep is is somewhat variable, and when when you take it for timing, it does it does work to reset your clock, and mm -hmm. you have to be just a little bit careful. Uh, so we use it for people that have um, sleep phase disorder, but it's complex mm -hmm. and difficult to use for that. Well, I know for, for myself when I when I have taken it, I'll take it. It it helps me fall asleep, but then I I'm still waking up quite a bit at night and not able to fall asleep again then after that. Yeah, I mean, I, I usually go to non-medication or non-supplement means first. Um, so regularizing your sleep schedule, getting regular daily exercise, really being careful about caffeine. Mm -hmm. um, um, I've had patients tell me, well, I've always been able to drink coffee. Yeah, maybe true, um, but your body changes. Um, and caffeine doesn't. So mm -hmm. it, it is a pretty powerful stimulant. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it just remarkable how um, 
how commonly that is a, a major problem. Mm-hmm. Now, most coffee is coming, from, most caffeine, sorry, is coming from coffee, but you also get it in tea and a little bit in chocolate. And there's other places, energy drinks and sodas that have, you know, not in, an insignificant amount of caffeine. So uh, you don't realize that, I don't think. Well, yeah, you have to be a little bit careful. You have to read labels sometimes. To, mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a little shocking how much caffeine is in some of these things. Mm-hmm. So um, that is one area that I would probably focus on a fair bit. Um, uh, again, exercise, particularly if you exercise in the late afternoon, early evening and raise that body temperature as your body temperature falls at night, that's very helpful. Keeping the bedroom dark um, and cool is very important. Um, that the, our bodies do better when it's a little cooler during sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, your sleep does get a little bit deeper um, and uh, they've shown some pretty some some nice studies that show that that how helpful that can be for sleep. Mm-hmm. I, and I know I I need to have sound. Maybe some people need complete silence, but I love we've got a fan mm-hmm. and just that nice humming sound yep. really is is helpful to me. Yep, um, that's really common. Um, there are commercial devices, white noise machines that'll play noise of you know. The wind in trees, or the ocean, beach sounds, yeah, yep. um, yeah, those types of things. Or you can just put a radio station between, or put your radio between stations, and just get that static and put, turn it really low. And that can be a, a very inexpensive white noise mm-hmm. machine for you. Um, I think that's sometimes helpful if there's if you're a very light sleeper and noises wake you up because it'll mask some of the other noises that you know the noises that your house makes as it settles every night and mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We'll get back to the podcast in a minute, but first I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Grace Home Respiratory. We're excited to have their support for the podcast because just like us, they're locally owned and operated. If you or someone you care about needs medical equipment or supplies, wheelchairs, walkers, hospital beds, portable oxygen concentrators, even CPAPs and BiPAPs, Grace Home Respiratory is right there to help. They're committed to helping you live a life of independence. They realize that shopping for the specialty medical products you need can be a challenge, which is why being locally owned and operated is key. They do everything in-house from their location right in Altoona. So if you have a question about billing or anything else, you know you'll be talking to someone from just down the road. Find out more about Grace Home Respiratory online at ghr-ec.com, or you can call them toll-free at 877-230-1622. Now back to the podcast. We're back with Dr. Dexter today talking about uh, sleep and aging well. And so something that I think about um, with sleep, maybe people think that, oh, if I have a few glasses of wine before bed, that's I'm going to sleep well. What do you think about that? Well, it's a, it, it's a great question. It's a dangerous thing because you're right. If you have um, alcohol before bed, you may shorten your sleep latency. So you'll go to sleep quicker. But what happens is that alcohol is broken down by your liver primarily, and it's one of the chemicals of acetaldehyde. And we've seen in sleep studies when you're recording brainwave patterns during sleep, if we have people drink um, alcohol before bedtime, sleep latency gets shorter. But then about an hour or two hours in, the sleep becomes very disrupted. Brainwave patterns change because that acetaldehyde, that breakdown product of alcohol, is very irritating to brain function. Um, so you, while you get to sleep faster, you think, oh, that was really successful. What a great strategy. Your sleep was actually, it is much worse and you feel worse in the morning. Mm-hmm. Now you may 
you may say, well, I'm hungover. Well, okay, it could be. It also makes sleep apnea much worse. They did a beautiful study in Australia where they had people come in for sleep studies and they said no alcohol or anything to drink before the study. And then they took the same people and said, drink your usual amount of alcohol. Now, Australia, they're kind of like Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. um, they, they, you know, on average, drink you know, more than most people in the world. Mm -hmm. And and they, they showed the graph of this group of people and the amount of the oxygen saturation dropped dramatically. So sleep apnea, much worse when you drink. So, um, so that's the second problem with alcohol. And then there's the fact that alcohol is a neurotoxin. So we don't know that there's a safe dose for your brain. Mm -hmm. and, you know that you've heard. Well, if you drink alcohol, brain cells are killed. And well, certainly it's it's not good for your brain. No. What if you have a glass of wine with dinner? People say that's better for your heart. It could be a little bit better for your heart. And if you take one glass of wine with dinner, and remember, not a Wisconsin glass of wine. This is yep, you know, a big difference there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know. So. But a, a small glass of wine with dinner, there may be some benefits for your heart. And again, it, dinner shouldn't be right before bed. It should be broken down and out of your system before bed. Um, I probably don't fight too much with people about that. Mm -hmm. But if you're having trouble with sleep, you really shouldn't be drinking. Mm -hmm. um, if you're having trouble with memory, you really should not be drinking. Um, it just isn't safe. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that would be good to drink before bed? You know, back in the day, we heard a glass of warm milk. Yep. Well, you know, moms are really smart. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are chemicals in uh, proteins in milk and turkey, um, particularly L-tryptophan is the amino acid. And it is a sleep promoting chemical. Now it's mildly sleep promoting, um, but it probably does have some benefit. Um, also, uh, you, there's some insulin release and blood flow changes that may help to promote sleep. You trade off a little bit of that. If you have too much, you're gonna it's gonna be activating because it, you know, the the, the chemicals have changed and and the work that your digestive system has to do. Um, but L-tryptophan, what you get from uh, milk or turkey or um, some other protein foods, mm -hmm. maybe some there may be some benefit. So if, if that's something that you found to be helpful, I think that's fine. Mm -hmm. I know sometimes I, I do like to drink. There's a sleepy time tea. Mm -hmm. That's kind of good. But the problem with drinking more before bed, that means I'm getting up to use yeah. the bathroom more often. So Yeah. yeah and the, you know, the problem with tea is it is it's a diuretic. So it does promote urine production and increase urine. So that is that is the downside. Mm hmm. What about um, taking taking naps? Should we be taking naps? And if, if so, should we, you know, 20 minutes, an hour? Yep. What, would, what would be your recommendation? It's a little bit controversial. I mean, uh, you know, some people are always nappers. So if you talk to farmers who get up very early in the morning and begin their chores, you know, before sunrise typically, and then come in and have their big meal a day as breakfast, um, and then go out and maybe do a little work, come back and have a lighter lunch, a nap is pretty common in that lifestyle all right after lunch for a short period of time and that can be you know an effective thing well Everybody, we know many many countries do that they yeah. have their siestas yeah. and yeah. you know everything's closed down for an hour or so yeah. and they yeah. relax and and, and there are some and, and it, it tends to run in sort of families or cultures like you said um Winston Churchill was a napper. John F. Kennedy was a napper. Uh, Thomas Edison, you know, that he, he reportedly he slept in two-hour bursts around the clock. Um, 
not what I would recommend, but, you know, worked for him, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that may be apocryphal. I'm not sure that that's really true, but I've heard that before. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head when you, you look at the length of your nap duration. So if you're going to take a nap after lunch, which is typically when it is, your body temperature tends to be falling after lunch. And it's a, one of the more sleepy times of the day is right after your, your noon meal or your midday meal. Um, I would limit that nap to about 20 minutes. So you set your alarm clock for 30. It takes you a little bit to go to sleep and it probably takes you, you know, you hit the snooze one time when you get up probably mm -hmm. you're like me. Um, but you get your, your 20 minutes in and that can be very restorative. Now, is that going to work for everybody? No. Um, some people, that would be enough to disrupt their nighttime sleep. Um, so if you learn that lesson, well, then nap's not, napping is not for you. Um, but for some people, um, that that can be really restorative and brain function can can pick up again. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people that have sundowning, for instance, if, if we get them on a regular schedule of napping, that'll help that because mm -hmm. they have more um, endurance later in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. I think I, I think for me, it's hard when I think of 20 minutes, I think, well, gosh, it's going to take me 20 minutes just to fall asleep. You know, so I don't know. Well, then you know, then you probably don't need that. Now. Then I probably don't need it. No, right now I, I do pretty well. You know, yeah. even though I I don't sleep super well at night, but um, I I I don't need those naps quite yet. But yeah, mm -hmm. yeah like I said, it, 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 for some people, some families, some cultures, it's just it's just a part of it. Mm -hmm. Now, in if you're in Spain or Mexico and they have siestas, does everybody nap? Probably not. There are some people that just can't or won't. Um, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not uncommon. And, mm -hmm. and if it works for you, I don't have a problem with it. But I re really be careful about the length because if you're sleeping an hour or two in the afternoon, that is going to take away from your sleep at night. Yeah. Your overall sleep requirement is going to be shortened by that amount. And then your sleep at night, if you're going to try to jam or you're going to try to fit eight hours of sleep in and you've already filled two hours, that, that nighttime sleep is going to be lighter and more disrupted mm -hmm. and you're going to get frustrated. Mm-hmm. So you are um, a hockey player, I understand. And so is hockey playing, is, is that a good way to get a good night's sleep? <laughs> well, it depends on when you play. Uh, so last night we played at 6.30. I'm done at 7.30. You have a little time to relax and wind down before bed. Slept great last night. Mm -hmm. When we used to sleep later, ice time's hard to get often. And when you sleep, when you played at 9 o'clock and you played from 9 till 10, by the time you've wound down, it's midnight, uh, your sleep's much worse, you know, and of course, then you run the risk of if you get, you know, some aches and pains and, you know, you're going to, you might be sleeping a little bit less well, but exercise is really important for sleep. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, ideally late afternoon, early evening is the best time because you raise that body temperature uh, and then it falls off towards your sleep time. Um, you know, we can do that with baths or a, a sauna or a hot tub um, a little bit later in the night because that'll it does not as effective at raising your temperature as exercise is, your internal temperature. Mm -hmm. But uh, those things help too. You know, like I said, moms are pretty smart. A hot bath before bed for your kids. Mm -hmm. Often time a warm bath, not hot, but um, often would be helpful for getting kids to sleep. Now, we did it part for that, but part just for the routine. You just learn that's the routine. Mm -hmm. um, and so they just, uh, they knew what was coming next. So, 
So practicing good sleep hygiene, limiting your alcohol, you know, good exercise are all important things to make sure we have a good night's sleep. Um, But if somebody is really struggling, then it's best to certainly talk to their doctor and see maybe a sleep study or something to be done. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, For sleep apnea, we, you know, that definitely needs to be treated and we have successful treatments. Um, this typically is continuous positive airway pressure, CPAP machine that uses air as a splint to hold the airway open. But now for people that can't tolerate that, we have other treatments um, that that are um, turning out to be pretty effective and work for people that, that can't tolerate CPAP. Mm-hmm. Um, but other, you know, for other conditions of sleep, yeah, talk to your doctor if it's if it's really interfering. Um, and then they can refer you to a sleep specialist. Um, I'll tell you that one of the first things that I would always do in people that have sleep problems is I get a sleep diary. So you'd have to record your. Uh, oh, that's a good time, idea. Time, sure. When do you go to bed? When do you wake up? Um, and you just it's a, a graph and you color in sleep times and naps during the day and when mm-hmm. you're really sleepy. And, mm-hmm. um, and then we would also put in when you're using alcohol, when are your meal times, because we want to know those things. And. So the the more chaotic things were when they came back, the nice thing is that there's that's where you can focus your attention on, and often it would be dramatically effective. Mm-hmm. So if you if you do wake up in the middle of the night um, and you just can't fall back to sleep, and I know as you know, I tend to worry. I'm a worrier, mm-hmm. and so I think about all kinds of stuff, and I can't sleep. Would you suggest getting up and doing something, sure. or just laying there and continue to worry? Well, you have to be really careful. You do not want your bedroom and your bed, particularly, to be a place that you associate consciously or subconsciously with struggles and bad feelings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that's going to make bed the place where you go to struggle and have a bad time. So that's that's not good. For people that are, if you said, I know I'm going to be worrying about these things. Um, one of my mentors, um, who was a brilliant insomnia expert, he would have people do worry time, take three by five cards and write out their worries. So that I'm worried about my dog is sick. Okay, well, what can I do about that? Well, I've taken the dog to the vet and we're going to work on uh, medicine and, you know, we've got a plan. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you put that down and you write these worries and you save those cards because that those might be recurrent worries. Now, some of them might be a new worry. I mean, I got a chip on my windshield and I think I'm going to have to pay a $500 mm-hmm. copy to get in the windshield. Okay, what am I going to do? I'll talk to my insurance man tomorrow. That might be one that you never have to deal with again. But there's something that frees up your mind when you write things down that takes some of those worries away. Um, but so say you wake up in the middle of the night and you're something else is bothering you. Um, a minor ache and a knee that won't go away or, or you start to r- ruminate about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You don't want to lay there. Get up, get a book, um, sit in a comfortable chair with a low light, read a little bit. If you knit, maybe knit or do something to keep your mind busy, occupied, but not too stimulated. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend TV mm-hmm. because TV can just suck you in and you don't, you, it can, you can spend hours but not get any rest. Mm-hmm. So nothing that's activating. That would not be the time to get up and exercise. Right, um, right. Um, but do something that would, it takes your mind off it. When you find yourself starting to, you know, you read the, that same paragraph the second or third time, okay, now it's time to go to bed. And often you'll just drift off to sleep much better. Mm-hmm. But if you wake back up again and it starts, you have to get back up. And pretty soon your body's going to learn. You, 
you know, that, that that's not a successful mm-hmm. uh, thing and you, you start to sleep better. Yeah, that's one thing for me that really helps if I if I can't just getting up for a little bit and just a, it doesn't take long. Just a little bit of reading is all I need to get that real, mm-hmm. <laughs> my, you know, real heavy sleep. It's like, OK, it's time to get time to get back to bed. So, yeah, some people might do meditation or, mm-hmm. you know, um, it might be time to read their devotionals or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, something that you that you find re- that you find relaxing. So it's yes. hard. It's hard to tell people exactly what to do, but they usually when they think about it, they'll find the thing that is relaxing mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. Well, we've talked about a lot of really good things today, Dr. Dexter, and I really appreciate your time and being here to talk about aging well and with sleep and um, just really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. It's a pleasure. Thanks again to Lisa and to her guest, and thanks to you for joining us for the Journey Ahead podcast, Aging Well in the Chippewa Valley. Volume 1 presents this podcast in partnership with the Aging and Disability Resource Center of Eau Claire County, and it's all made possible by Grace Home Respiratory and All-Star Elevator and Mobility Solutions. Learn more about this and our other podcasts at volume1.org.